Hello. Yo, yo, are both of you there? Yes, yeah. Yeah, are you there? All right, fuck you, yeah. Did Japes did did Gapes just confess to doing nine eleven? I might have slightly, <laughs> slightly. <laughs> did you fabricate this tweet, Garange? <laughs> well, it said the original date on it was September eleventh, twenty fifteen. Which presumably before Corbyn became leader. Before Corbyn fucked his life up. <laughs> Fucking I great. I simply might have changed a couple of the numbers. <laughs> he just wants to see those fucking towers fall one last time. Yeah. In person. He was fucking there. He's not. He, he could. He obviously, he can watch the footage any day. Gates wants. He was allegedly there. He wants. To Gates, see... with the knowledge of what's going to happen, would be straight on a flight like the day before. Yeah, he wants to feel the ash and the flames in his lungs once again. He wants <laughs> the smell of burning flesh. He wants <laughs> and, and and jet fuel melting steel beams. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I, Jack, I, I can't believe you fell for this, man. If you click on the image, <laughs> look how badly I've lined up the numbers. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was like you were using some dark age technology or something. Oh, yeah, it this is clearly really faked, yeah. In 3D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John O'Farrell, though. Well, that guy's books are shit. <laughs> he's, he's the guy Gates the quote tweeting okay alright I'll let you go now I thought we were talking conspiracy theories so we should totally we'll stick this bit at the start of the episode <laughs> okay right, yeah sweet Gapes did 9-11 <laughs> well that, save that for a future Gape cast ladies and gentlemen opposing the government and opposing the conservatives can afford the hard left who want to tighten their control they want to uh, sideline moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised that that is the nature of the hard left. And of course we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any you dissent. What well, we know who the hard left are, who associate with the hard left. You just said that we were right to right wing. Hard left agenda. Printing money, nationalisation without compensation. Hard left wing position. Hard left. Hard left. The hard left. The hard left. 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 for television. I'm sure that they'll edit this out. I want to say it anyway, even though they will edit it out. When President Kennedy was killed, he was not killed by one man. He was shot from a number of different directions by different guns. The story has been suppressed. Witnesses have been killed. And this is your country. As I say, they will censor it, I'm sure. They can't afford to have things like that on the air. It blow their image. But I don't know. We wanted to talk about like, I guess the assassination of John F. Kennedy. <laughs> it was only a coward. Time.
<laughs> by the coward who? That is the question, Yair. That is the question. Right, I want a definitive answer on this from you now. Summed up succinctly in 30 seconds or less. Uh, well, I think it had to be Fidel Castro, right? Personally. <laughs> Personally. <laughs> Personally. Personally. Yeah. Well... Some jobs are just so important you don't want to delegate them, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, he's a hands-on sort of guy. He was a hands-on sort of guy. After, Fidel. after all, the CIA tried to kill him so many times and they failed because JFK didn't go personally. Yeah, they succeeded yeah. eventually. He didn't die of old age, man. <laughs> a fucking lion like, like, like fucking Castro <laughs> does not die. Same with Chavez, obviously, he's murdered. Yeah, I'm just doing a true and on bit here, but we are talking about conspiracy theories today, so we're probably going to, in a few cases, step on the toes of the excellent podcast True and On. <laughs> in fact, we're talking about a more recent pop culture event that ties in with, of course, the tragic, we'll get to why, assassination of John F. Kennedy. So this thing that has happened has set the like right wing is it a 4chan thing like conspiracy theory network QAnon right is that what they are have I understood correctly uh, what... broadly I think yeah just that you know it's, it's, a, it's a crank outfit essentially but that's the sort of sites they, they tend to congregate on yeah well what, what, whatever it is their kind of network has been set alight I know this because I didn't <coughs> venture beyond Twitter because fuck that it's scary out there Remember when we had to go on different sites rather than everything all on this one site? Like, <laughs> yeah, I went on the QAnon hashtag along with the words Bob Dylan. And <laughs> let me tell you, the new track by the Poet Laureate of Rock and Roll has set the right-wing conspiracy theory world alight. And I guess it set the left-wing conspiracy world alight as well, because we're doing it. <laughs> this is like real politics, yeah. full-on descent into crankishness. <laughs> I fucking warned you, I said that the left having a viable electoral voice was the thing that was keeping the left from actually <laughs> retreating into a conspiratorial view of the world. Well, we're here to prove to you that with Jeremy Corbyn stepping down within the next week or so, Bernie, Chandes, Bernie Sanders' chances looking unlikely over in America, and I'm sure, like, the left are getting fucked in, like, the other countries as well. We are going to go, like, right into that rabbit hole. We're going to get whatever kind of pill this is where you get into conspiracy theories. <laughs> Here we go. So, there is a new song out by Bob Dylan. Obviously, one of my absolute heroes in my life. And I'll tell you how much Bob Dylan is one of the greatest people ever. There would be no Neil Young without Bob Dylan. So, like, just think about that for a second. Savor that thought and bow down to this motherfucker. Because, like, Bob Dylan is the greatest, obviously. No question, right? That's not even... We're not getting into a... His voice is bad whatever fuck that shit actually his singing's <laughs> awesome on this new track but basically yeah. bob dylan 
has not put out any original material since 2012. There's been a steady stream of archival releases and five albums worth of Sinatra covers, but <laughs> it was two. It was just two, it was two re- two records and then a, and then a triple album called Triplicate. But yeah, he dug into the great American songbook. What can I say? Well, in fact, this new song shows that Bob has a kind of sweeping kaleidoscopic vision of the American popular music songbook laid out before him which encompasses the spinning wheel of history or some hackneyed phrase like that which he wouldn't use in his new song because he's a great writer. Anyway, he probably would. Bob uses a lot of kind of like corny phrases but they sound so fucking cool when he's like, yeah. But anyway, long story short, he has now put out some new original music this is a 17 minute song i mean people are kind of rounding up because it's 16 minutes and 56 seconds but this is like a major 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 piece of work this song i'm gonna try and like keep it humorous rather than just like gush about bob dylan for this whole thing (laughs) i don't want to let the reverence get in the way of a good listen but when i was looking at that QAnon hashtag with the accompanying words bob dylan QAnon are saying that bob dylan knows the secret of the assassination of john f kennedy and that this means The fact that Bob has come out and said, well, in a way, said across 17 minutes, I know the truth, that this means that the truth is about to come out. So, Bob's song is explicitly about the assassination of John F. Kennedy. This is not some kind of, I mean, it is in a way, but it's not just an allegorical thing where you can point and say oh yeah that's sort of about jfk it starts in dallas right in the first line it sets the day on that dark day in november 12th 1963 that's the date right isn't it uh yeah yeah the song is called murder most foul again thoughts are racing through my mind right now there's questions i have like which is that i want to like try and find like publishing details of the song to see if there's any indication of when it was recorded and who plays on it but thankfully genius the excellent website have already transcribed it and got a load of annotations and while i was out just now i listened to what did i say earlier that i was doing when i was breaking oh yeah i was like going while i was out like in ilford recording the next gapecast with gapes Hold up in like Ilford Recording Studio, which is in Gape Man. <laughs> it's the only recording studio in Ilford and Gape just Gates just has tapes and for Gapes tapes they're called. <laughs> Loads of stuff. No one really knows what's on them, but rumours are that shit will be blown wide open if the Gapes tapes get out, you know what I'm saying? In fact, it may even contain some information pertaining to the assassination of John F. Kennedy. So yeah, the song starts and it was a dark day in Dallas, November 63, a day that will live on in infamy. President Kennedy was a riding high. Good day to be living and a good day, a dark day to die. Yeah, so... Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> God damn it. Does four lines in count as like trailer material? <laughs> this, well, four lines into a 16 minute song. He led to the slaughter like a sacrificial lamb. You see, wait a minute, boys. You know who I am. 
course we do. We know who you are. Then they blew off his head while he was still in the car. Shot down like a dog in broad daylight. Was a matter of time, and in the time, and was right. You got unpaid debts. We've come to collect. We're gonna kill you with hatred, without any respect. While I was out just now, I was listening to the first chapter. Well, the first couple of chapters, because I took took me so fucking long to get through that zoo. But the first couple of chapters of a book, which is called fuck, let me think, JFK Assassination Book. <laughs> that's a great title yeah the guardians list i bet that's really pedestrian and doesn't include too much like conspiracy theory stuff i bet jim garrison's book is interesting we can talk about jfk movies in a minute i <laughs> i don't know why i don't just look on here jfk and the unspeakable yeah so that's what it's called by james w douglas <coughs> so i in fact i listened to the first three chapters of this um and basically they're kind of like it gets into a kind of blow-by-blow account of the events in terms of like foreign policy and the the progression of the cold war leading up to the assassination of kennedy but before that it kind of talks about well there's this whole introduction about like this kind of catholic priest who i guess was a jfk conspiracy theorist and he he had this theology of peace oh shit did he try and like persuade the pope that jfk was assassinated in a conspiracy yeah sorry the thing was i was coming up with lyrics for this new gape cast while i was out and my hands were so cold that i uh sorry this is like again i've just interrupted myself in the middle of the sentence to say this but this is like what (laughs) donald trump does like Trump process. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's just like there's a thing and another thing. And... Is Trump just blazing it or something? <laughs> I'm also stoned. Oh yeah, yeah. So I was writing some I was writing some lyrics for this new gape cast and like because I was out there for so fucking long, my hands were so cold that I just, I didn't want to use my phone too much to like type or anything. So I was just kind of swirling around these four lines in my head to like make sure I remembered the exact phrasing. And so as a consequence of that, I missed a couple of things uh, to do uh, <laughs> in this audio book, but I think it's good that at least listening to it inspired me creatively in some way and to think about the possible motivations behind the JFK assassination. But yeah, basically this guy in the intro gives a mere culpa saying, look, I for years said that, look, I just don't think there was a JFK conspiracy. It's all bullshit. It's just people are going too far. It's nonsense. And he says, you know, I did a disservice. Or I don't even know if he was, like, an explicit skeptic about it, but he says that just, like, by not actively pursuing it for longer, he felt that he was not living up to this theology of peace sort of Catholicism 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 (laughs) that he supports that that he believes in so yeah he then gets into how he feels that towards the end of his life JFK was trying to reverse the course of the Cold War and so this book I'm gonna search for the name of this book and Oliver Stone because it seems entirely in keeping with the thesis of the movie JFK. <laughs> Have either of you seen JFK? 
Yeah, no. not for a long, long, long time. To be fair, I yeah, it's could really do awesome. with rewatching that. Fucking awesome. So. Yeah, and Oliver Stone is like obviously. It turns out he's tight with this dude, James W. Douglas. Like, there's an in conversation event yeah. with the two of them together. You know what? The other thing I, w- I was gonna say a minute ago, I just remembered actually, <laughs> is that the thing I was gonna say about Trump's fucked up fucking thought process, where he starts one thing and then goes instantly into another, and then another, and then another, is that <laughs> they literally mention that in that lame as fuck intelligence squared Armando Inucci, Jan Ravens and Jess Phillips debate and that's where I, <laughs> I I thought of that from and was like yeah so I'm annoyed that these fuckers have subconsciously penetrated my mind but yes so this is basically I think one of the key works of the Oliver Stone wing of JFK conspiracy theories I guess because there's other strands of JFK conspiracy theories. It what? comes in a lot of flavors yeah yeah so oliver stone's one let's get into that first because it's the one that i believe it was that it was like a vast right-wing conspiracy in order to well i said this about what jfk was trying to do but to change the course of the cold war but this was in the opposite direction this was to really fuck shit up to just like basically bring on a nuclear confrontation with russia we know that jfk's generals were saying that i think november 62 would be the best time for a preemptive strike against Russia. Just after the Cuban Missile Crisis, they were like, maybe we should just bomb them and then we get that out of the way. And JFK and Khrushchev were trying to hammer out a kind of agreement because they, I think they both kind of thought, we probably don't actually want a nuclear war. <laughs> Khrushchev famously said, as is cited in this book, that the survivors of a nuclear holocaust would envy the dead. And JFK had said, another good quote I thought in the early section of this book that I listened to on audiobook while I was getting really blazed and coming up with lyrics for Gatecast, uh, was that <laughs> JFK said that he wanted to split the CIA up into a million pieces and cast them into the wind. We know that under Eisenhower, a policy of plausible deniability had been brought in, which basically was like, yeah, the CIA can assassinate world leaders, and then they can just be like, nah, what? Nah, what? 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 We don't know anything about that, can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> so that was, like, already in place. The CIA probably did not like the idea that they had a president who was out to get them, so... You know, I'm just really, I'm really waxing at length here about like the JFK assassination and stuff. But look, this is you got to know this stuff because this is the theory that is actually true. So <laughs> the CIA would have. I don't necessarily think that LBJ was in on it, and I don't think that Oliver Stone thinks that Bob Dylan says in Murder Most Foul, Bob Dylan, by the way, subscribes to, like, the left wing. I'm not saying that Bob is a left winger because his politics have historically been, like, all over the place, but he seems to subscribe to the left wing theory of JFK's assassination. And he says something in the line, like, we've got a guy to take your place. Yeah, we've already got someone here to take your place. So this was basically saying that the establishment fucking scum who killed JFK, the CIA capitalists, Mike Gapes, vampires, escaped Nazis (laughs) from Latin America. Dear old Stormzy gave me names Of certain men who shared our aims He called them boys, they were from Brazil To help us with 
our righteous kill. Rental friends from Europe East. Pause from midst their gory feast. Said we will help you, Michael Gapes. Smiling with sharp teeth and dark black capes. All these people wanted to kill JFK, especially the vampires, Rental <laughs> and his caped assassins. Anyone who has like an understanding of like who knows what, anyone who's like politically savvy like us, like we know what's going on in Westminster, we know who's who, we know what the gossip is, or about the personalities and so on, right? You know? <laughs> anyone would know that LBJ was more hawkish than JFK, that his instincts were just sitting on the toilet, fucking chucking about the N-word and being like, yeah, let's bomb them. That's Nothing LBJ. More. America was truly blessed to have him and Nixon one after the other. <laughs> but, yeah, sorry, Grant. Yes, yes, yes. Let's have so, other people's voices here. <laughs> I was just going to give a very quick shout out to one of my favourite explanations for the assassination of JFK in popular fiction, which was when Game the Cast episode six. Yes. No, sorry. <laughs> Before that, top bit. But yeah, the X Files did an episode a few seasons in that was like lifting back the curtain on the history of the character, the Smoking Man, who was like the big evil guy at the head of the grand conspiracy and so on. Yeah. And it showed him being behind, when he was first getting recruited into those circles, as being behind the assassination of JFK, and him being <laughs> the guy behind the grassy knob, and then other stuff as well. And then it had him aiming also in, in the same episode to like retire as a writer of bad Cold War pulp fiction. Jonathan Freeland. Um, under <laughs> genuinely, this was in about 1996, 97 or something like that, but the pen name he chose was... Raoul Bloodworth. <laughs> Just when you want to give those real spook vibes for your yeah. spy novels. If you want to absolute absurd shit about how the Cubans were behind everything and had to die you pick your name Bloodworth that's just true like across yeah. both reality and fiction people are now. gonna see that name and be like this guy is like Le Carre you know or one of the real ones <laughs> <laughs> while we're giving quick shout outs to like our favourite JFK assassination related pop culture ephemera I fucking love we've actually mentioned this on the show before so a little shout out to an enduring <coughs> real politic favourite but in the 1993 film In the Line of Fire starring Clint Eastwood there's this fucking hilarious subplot about how Clint's character he was one of JFK's bodyguards when he was shot and like his wife left him because he failed to stop JFK being assassinated because <laughs> <laughs> it it's like a trope in all these late period Clint Eastwood films that like he's such an asshole that like all his family especially all the women in his life just hate him and like this is my favourite one of those plot points in a Clint Eastwood <laughs> film it's just because it's got the grand sweep of history to it she's like oh you're just a loser you failed to stop JFK being assassinated but like I say I think we should give Clint's character in In the Line of Fire a break because it was I reiterate a vast right-wing conspiracy to kill JFK I'm certain of this like I can't say to you 
that I fully can reel off and fully comprehend all the details about Lee Harvey Oswald's background. Like at one point he was seen as being an anti-communist, anti-Cuban activist, but then he was seen as to be discrediting the anti-Castro movement. And that was used to say, well, look, he was a communist sympathizer who, when he was campaigning against Castro, was actually campaigning for Castro. And that's why he wanted to kill JFK, because he loved Castro. Right? So... I don't buy that shit. But anyway, I can't say to you that I'm with all the details on the ins and outs of all the spooky shit with Oswald and with... What's his name? Wait, who does Joe Pesci play in JFK? Clay Shaw is played by Tommy Lee Jones, isn't he? But yeah, all the stuff with, like, those guys, the people in in the parlance of Kevin Bacon's character in JFK, the homosexual underworld. Yeah, I'm not entirely (laughs) sure how all of them figure into it. And yeah, so all those details and shit, the different investigations and how they're all incomplete and contradictory victory and just plainly wrong and obviously all the stuff like about how within about a year of assassination all the eyewitnesses died by stabbing themselves in the face with a shit-covered knife, etc. I can't get into those details, but there's a lot of fucking details is what I'm getting at. There's all this kind of shit out there. It doesn't add up, man. And the conspiracy I buy is the left-wing one. But then I guess you've got Maybe we'll return to some of the obviously true facts about how and why JFK was killed later. But there's kind of other conspiracy theories. In fact, you could say that whilst Oliver Stone is emblematic of the left-wing interpretation, there's a not right-wing, but more kind of like cynical interpretation of it, which is like that the mob did it. And that is... (coughs) probably exemplified by Martin Scorsese with his great latest film The Irishman where the mob you see them collaborating with the CIA and the Bay of Pigs at one point because obviously Cuba before Castro was a hotspot for gambling for like the Michael Duggars of their age in America the the Kevin Schofields I believe is how you actually pronounce his name that's a real politic first there they (laughs) the scum of their (laughs) <laughs> the fucking like gambling leeches of their day they fucking loved it out there so they wanted back in and obviously the mob had a massive piece of gambling so you see them running guns for the cia for the bay of pigs invasion in the irishman and you basically also see in the irishman how the mob kind of helped to elect jfk you see them stuffing ballots for him and jimmy hoffa obviously was not in tune with the mob on that because he didn't like jfk and especially didn't like robert kennedy who was investigating the mob and the teamsters as well jimmy hoffa's powerful union who had i think pretty definitive we can state they had mob connections and yeah just a few few. hoffa was delighted when jfk was killed because robert kennedy was reshuffled into the bin by johnson and he was in hoffa's words just another lawyer i don't know if that's actually steve's alien the writer of the irishman's words but it's a good fucking line isn't it and um Yeah. yeah so later on jfk is killed and i don't know the mob have a weird reaction to it Joe Pesci's character loves JFK, so he seems a bit bummed. But, you know, he's a guy who, like, A, he's a company man, but ahead of being a company man, and the company, of course, being the mafia, he is a person who puts himself first. So, despite liking JFK, Joe Pesci may have to have sadly conceded his death at the hands of a mob. And then later on, they have that line when Jimmy Hoffa's like, They wouldn't dare! They wouldn't dare! When he's told that the mob are going to kill him. 
and Joe Pesci's like, Jimmy, they whack the president. They can whack a union president. So what I have to say about this theory is that you know who's anti-communist? The mob. True, yeah. Have you ever watched The Sopranos? Tony says in that one scene with the FBI guys, you know, I'm a registered Republican. You don't get many yeah. fucking left-wing gangsters, do you, apart from, I guess, certain teamsters? Like, <laughs> like the mob, I think you can pretty much safely say, yeah, they kill people, but not for pleasure. Their number one motivation is money. And in my they view... They do operate in the free market, yeah. Yeah, I guess you could say, well, you know, if they may want money because they have a materialist analysis, I'd say you're talking out of your ass there capitalists so i think that the mob could very well have been involved in the assassination of jfk but i think that that doesn't mean that there wasn't a vast right-wing conspiracy where they may have got some more people in to like just kind of get their hands dirty yeah yeah oh. exactly i think like i say just because the mob may potentially have been involved that doesn't mean that the vampires weren't <laughs> The day they blew out the brains of the king Thousands were watching, no one saw a thing It happened so quickly, so quick by surprise Right there in front of everyone's eyes Greatest magic trick ever under the sun Perfectly executed, skillfully done Wolfman, oh Wolfman, oh Wolfman, how? Rub-a-dub-dub, it's a murder most foul. So yeah, I guess I did want to like just talk about the Bob Dylan song because it's so fucking amazing, man. It's like this epic, <coughs> sweeping odyssey through 20th century american history segueing into popular music once bob at the end of what is signified as verse one i mean i didn't really detect a traditional verse structure oh i guess the end of a verse is when he says the title line it's a murder most foul yeah okay that yeah no that makes sense it's just that the last verse is really long the last verse where he's just like reeling off all these songs which are fucking cool like it's such a wide spanning list of songs in fact this is from someone who like i reckon probably Geraint doesn't like alexis Petridis from the guardian jeez he strikes me as the kind of guy who has Uh, like had takes like you've been around long enough to kind of you've got history with him maybe don't it's more just he's he's just one of a really boring generation of music writers that are just clogging up all the music writing in Britain forever so I just don't bother reading him really you know he's just not interesting or, or, or good. The thing that stuck out to me in his write-up of this new Bob Dylan song is... So get this, this is the fucking levels that Dylan's on. There's a line where when Dylan's saying, play it for such and such, play blah blah blah, play this song, play that song, play all the episodes of Gapecast. He's like, play it for Carl Wilson, looking far, far away down Gower Avenue. I, I have no idea what that meant. 
But, right, here we go. This is Alexis Petridis has unpicked this. The line about playing it for Carl Wilson down Gower Avenue requires the listener to know that the late Beach Boy sang backing vocals on Desperado's Under the Eaves, the concluding track from Warren Zevon's eponymous 1976 album, which ended with the line, Look Away Down Gower Avenue. <laughs> And the thing is, I think that's an entirely plausible explanation. <laughs> so in like 2002, this isn't funny so much as like kind of touching, but in 2002 when Warren Zevon was dying, Dylan, who obviously one of the great songwriters, doesn't ever need to cover a song in his life if he doesn't want to. He was doing a lot of covers on that tour, also covering stuff in tribute to his friend George Harrison who had died in 2001. But Warren Zevon had cancer and it was announced that it was fatal, he wasn't going to be around much longer and Dylan covered just an absurd amount of Warren's Yvonne songs on that tour including like at some gigs including as many as four in one show and so I think Dylan is a deep enough Warren's Yvonne fan that he would have like had that specific album and read the liner notes and know that Carl Wilson sings on that particular track and know the lyrics to that particular track so what I'm saying is this guy can do that he knows who killed fucking JFK, man. Like, if anyone knows, if anyone has got the secrets, it's obviously Bob Dylan. <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah. He's firing a warning shot here, isn't he? He knows everything. I mean, people have compared this song to American Pie and to We Didn't Start the Fire. Uh, one of the most... What they mean is it's very long. It's a long song. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess that's true, but both of those have this kind of, like, they incorporate a bit of pop music and reference to other songs and this thing where they're looking at American history in a wide scope. I think the difference is We Didn't Start the Fire is, like, the work of a hack. Uh, I don't like him at all. I don't think he's true. good. Yeah. And what is the line? The line about... Someone did a tweet about this, but the line, I'd never really paid attention to the lyrics of that song. But what is something like JFK put away? What more is there to say? And I'm like, fuck <laughs> you. <a> lot. <laughs> fuck you. There's so much to say, you basic bastards. Yeah, there you go. JFK blown away. What else do I have to say? Well, you could, like Bob, you could call out the fucking lizard establishment scum, you know, who, who did this. Billy Joel. What's the excuse? Writing catchy and concise pop songs. Uh, fuck you. That's child's <laughs> play. It's for amateurs. Bob is beyond that. He doesn't need that shit. <laughs> Take a chance. A Jack Colquitt adventure. Written by Raoul Bloodworth. Nom de plume. Sorry, Garay just sent me that. So, I'm sure a great read. Like the Bill Clinton spy novel that he co-wrote. Which is actually, <laughs> actually just a tract against Me Too, as far as I understand it. <laughs> Bill Clinton, man, he killed JFK. No, oh, I'll tell you what the QAnon people were saying. They were saying it was George H.W. Bush. So when did George H.W. Bush become the head of the CIA? We're going to crack this, man. I'm getting Wikipedia up. By the end of this recording session, we're going to know definitively, like literally the individual who killed JFK. George W. Bush, 11th Director of Central Intelligence. Well, he only became CIA Director in 76. I guess he was, like, a diplomat before that. He was like, oh, he, well, he was, like, a House of Representatives guy, a, 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 a
congressman, I believe that's called, from 67. Then he, he was a diplomat, like he was an ambassador and a liaison to China, which means he probably was in the CIA at that point. So then, well, I don't know how he links in with JFK, but that's what was, that is what QAnon was saying. I couldn't really understand it, actually. It was very strange, like, formatting, the screenshot that I saw. I didn't actually go on 4chan because I don't want to get put on any more lists. Um, I was quite pleased to see actually that this Neil Young fan site I follow, Thrasher's Weep. It's like a blog that just posts Neil Young news. Uh, and they were like, <laughs> analysis, Bob Dylan's murder most foul, 17 <laughs> minutes of the truth. See, uh, then they have the link. And then there's like a peace sign emoji and a heart emoji at Neil Young, NYA, at Bob Dylan. Hashtag be the rain. Hashtag no fear. Hashtag stay calm. Hashtag all together. Hashtag turn off the news. Hashtag WT1SBWO. Hashtag big shift. Hashtag discern. With like the CERN encapsment. And they posted four pictures to accompany that as a picture of the murder most foul artwork, which is just like JFK cut out in front of some kind of background <laughs> with the words murder most foul. Then you've got JFK with a child, I mean, presumably one of his, uh, that guy fucked. And then you've got Bob Dylan and Neil Young, just to be like, look, we're a Neil Young fan site repping neil here and then sorry that's my tambourines next to me and then john martin and abraham so i don't even know what it is it's like three strange weird bodies they look like red christmas <laughs> trees john martin abraham red christmas trees oh i you know what maybe this is like when bob dylan's like they killed him once they killed him twice like they spilled his brains all over I, ah, hang on the day they blew up the brains of a king Thousands were watching. No one saw a thing. So Dylan's saying there that people saw him getting killed, but they didn't know the fucking truth, man. They didn't know the whole story. But thankfully, Bob has told the whole story now. And if not the whole story, it's going to come out because he knows. I'd also like to say, let me just look up Bob Dylan time out of mind. I feel like maybe he like wrote a couple of extra verses and just made sure that song was that extra bit long because his previous longest song was 16 minutes 31, Highlands, the final track off Time Out of Mind from 1997. And so I was thinking maybe Bob was just like, hey, how long's Highlands? And then <laughs> just thought, keep playing boys, <laughs> like just another 30 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> It's just such an awesome song. At the end of the first verse, he starts inciting the Wolfman. Oh, Wolfman, oh, Wolfman, howl. Rubber dub dub. <laughs> it's murder most foul. Wolfman Jack was this legendary DJ who was alive from 1938 to 95, and he had a gravelly voice. Bob liked him. Oh, wow, oh, okay. There is another fucking... Okay, so, like, this explains what QAnon were talking about, right? Timberwolf was George H.W. Bush's codename when he later served as president. At the time of Kennedy's assassination, he was head of the CIA. Was was he? I thought we established no. he wasn't. Yeah, um, he was the director of the CIA in 76 for about yeah. a year. So, no. 
an organization frequently attached to conspiracy theories surrounding the events. I'm not ruling out that he was like an asset. But yeah, I, he would have been he, very. He was a young man in the sixties. He wasn't even. He wasn't a congressman at that point. No, he, was, he would he have was, had no seniority. Unless he had been trained as a CIA guy at that point. I don't know. It was George H. <clears throat> I guess yeah. Yeah, he would have been mid late thirties. I guess so. He could have been. Let me see. Nineteen six. What was he up to? Business career. Hmm. The Bush family are like insanely wealthy and are definitely a big ah ah ah. In 1988, The Nation published an article alleging that Bush worked as an operative of the Central Intelligence Agency during the 60s. Bush denied this allegation. Whatever, whatever. I mean, I'd have to read back The Nation article. 63 FBI memo ties Bush to intelligence agency. Which intelligence agency? Thanks for reading The Times. Create your free account or log... Fuck you. Bear with me, guys. I'm cr- we're going to crack it. <laughs> Vice President... This is 1988. Vice President George Bush may have worked for the Central Intelligence Agency in 1963, more than a decade before becoming its director, according to a magazine article that cites a recently discovered Federal Bureau of Investigation memorandum. So, whilst the so-called genius may have got it incorrect that he was the head of the CIA at that time. It's no smoke without fire. Mr. Bush denied the report through, again, whatever. The Nation magazine in its current issue quotes a memo of November 29th, 1963. It's a little bit similar in time to, uh... Anyway, from J. Edgar Hoover, the bureau director at the time, to the State Department about... The assassination of President John F. Kennedy. In the memo, according to the magazine, Mr. Hoover stated that the Bureau had briefed Mr. George Bush of the Central Intelligence Agency on the reaction of Cuban exiles in Miami to the assassination. The magazine article written by Joseph McBride also quoted an unidentified source with close connections to the intelligence community as saying Mr. Bush started working for the agency in 1960 or 1961, this bit sounds eminently plausible, using his oil business as a cover for clandestine activities. Yeah, sure. Stephen Hart, a spokesman for the vice president, said that he had talked to Mr. Bush. Hey man, I'm just following the breadcrumbs trail here, and it is leading to George H.W. Bush. Said that (laughs) he had talked to Mr. Bush about the story, and the vice president denied any involvement with the agency before President Ford named him its director in 1935. Again, I don't buy that. I think Ford had inside knowledge, and he knew that Bush was experienced. He was an oilman in the early 60s. In 1963, he was running for the Senate. Bill Devine, a spokesman for the CIA, declined to comment on the possibility that Mr. Bush or someone else with that name worked for the agency in the 1960s. It was his son. It was Dubya, who was just like, what, how? (laughs) Just like a kid. It is our standard policy on allegations that people have worked for the CIA or that sort of thing, Mr. Devine said. We neither confirm nor deny. Right? So, yeah? 
You hear that? The magazine said Mr. Hoover's memo was recently discovered among 98,755... Blah, 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 blah. At the time the memo was written, Mr. Bush was running the Houston-based Zapata Offshore Company, which the magazine said gave Bush an opportunity to do extensive overseas travel, including trips through the Caribbean. In 1964, Mr. Bush ran unsuccessfully for the Senate. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. In his 1987 autobiography, Looking Forward, which would later be the name of a bad album by Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, Mr. Bush calls his appointment to head the agency a real shocker in light of his background as a non-professional outsider. <laughs> and the politician... Uh, real shocker for some... My Not A Spy t-shirt is getting questions <laughs> that are answered by the t-shirt. Whatever. <laughs> and a politician to boot. However, Mr. Bush also notes in the book that I'd come to the CIA with some general knowledge of how it operated. Right. So, okay, we can get back to Bob now because we've established that though he wasn't head of the CIA at the time, George W. Bush was absolutely a spook at that point, allegedly. So Bob says that JFK was led to the slaughter like a sacrificial lamb. Do you think this means it's an eyes wide shut kind of thing? <laughs> Epstein, proto-Epstein. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, sorry, again, I said we'd step on some true and on talking points here but i'm gonna try and keep going bob said we're gonna kill you with hatred without any respect that was one line where i was just like how do you kill someone with respect i guess the rapper furk you in the 90s famously <laughs> said that you've got to kill people to have respect for people but yeah i don't know if that's what bob's saying if bob's saying there's a better way this was an unrespectful killing but yeah he says <coughs> Greatest magic trick ever under the sun. Perfectly executed. Skillfully done. So I think he's saying there that something is a foul here. Ah, uh, I love all the like pop culture references and stuff. I feel like for the nature of this show, spare my present company. I'll stick to the stuff here that's like explicitly about the JFK assassination. But um <laughs> Ah, right. Faith, hope and charity are the three virtues associated in Christian theology. Load three bullets for Virtues Three. Blood, soil, and family. Through my sights I saw his head. Goodbye, commie. Better dead than red. So possibly this is the reading espoused in the book that I listened to three chapters of the audiobook of, which is in fact heavily influenced by the Catholic theology of peace. Maybe that's a stretch. But we know that Bob is a religious man and a scholar of both Christianity and Judaism. I wonder if his see if you can shoot the invisible man line is again just being like, woo, spooky. <laughs> this bit is pretty explicit. Well, he's already said goodbye, Charlie. Goodbye, Uncle Sam's talking about the assassination of JFK being the death of hope, the death of dreams. 
somehow of the premature death of the 60s he says what is it barely started well that's why it's premature i think it's kind of saying that the 60s what with the amazing cultural change imagine how that had been had the u.s not been on the trajectory of johnson to nixon yeah things would have been incredibly different because there was an appetite for change and maybe that change wouldn't have come under kennedy but then i do find it hard to believe that kennedy would have accelerated the vietnam war to the extent that johnson did yeah Uh, he could have been worse right if he was drawing up plans for withdrawal which he absolutely was we know that johnson never supported these plans to begin with so it wouldn't be like he u-turned in office and changed something significant changed his mind in accordance with the facts he already wanted to accelerate the war in vietnam hang on (laughs) this is this is a tangled web man (laughs) right here Uh, (laughs) if johnson stuck to the position that he had during the kennedy administration on vietnam there's nothing to say that kennedy wouldn't have stuck to his own position basically yeah. is what i was getting at mm-hmm. yeah what is the truth and where did it go ask oswald and ruby they ought to know shut your mouth said a wise old owl business is business and it's a murder most foul i think bob's kind of like snarling there he's kind of being scathing about the people who are like oh don't bother looking into the jfk assassination it's all bullshit you're a crank and bob's like Oh, you're a wise old owl, aren't you? To the people who are like, shut your mouth about the JFK assassination. Or the other reading of this line is he's saying that JFK was shut up. JFK was shut up by the wise old owls who knew the way things worked. And they were like, well, business is business. We got to keep our capitalism going. And I have just made myself think with my analysis, this deep analysis of Dylan's work, what does A.J. Weberman make of this song? <laughs> so, like, for Grite and others listening who may not necessarily know, A.J. Weberman is, like, this guy who calls himself a Dylanologist and he stalked Dylan for years. Like, he also is the progenitor of an art called Garbology, or a, a pursuit <laughs> which is basically goes through Bob Dylan's garbage. And uh, <coughs> at one point it got in like the early 70s, he really pissed Bob off and like Bob beat him up. <laughs> in fact, it was the way that Weberman tells it. He was just walking down the street one day and Bob Dylan came up to him on a bicycle <laughs> and fucking beat the shit out of him. <laughs> Weberman to this day still comes up with Bob Dylan conspiracy theories and shit. Me and Yaya did like two episodes on them. Uh, oh yeah. But- yeah, we, lo- we love a bit of Weberman. But the downside is that Weberman obviously was on the radical left. He was a hardline hippie when he was stalking Bob Dylan <laughs> in person. <laughs> and since, I know, well, Weberman was like sent to prison for selling weed in the 80s. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> for, I don't know, probably Bob Dylan got a restraining order against him or something. But anyway, yeah. he hit hard times and sadly he abandoned his radical hippie politics and got into extreme zionism and is oh. now is now really really right wing <laughs> oh yeah 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 he he like reconnected with his jewish heritage but like in a real 
really bad way <laughs> to the extent that like he thinks Bob Dylan is a self-hating Jew and that Bob like <laughs> codes anti-Semitic messages into his songs. So yeah, Weberman's politics. He used to be kind of like a fun and harmless crank, except for if you're Bob Dylan, in which case it's probably unnerving <laughs> to like be like, oh, it's outside my house again. But his politics have got like really fucked up, <laughs> and so he'll have some like bad analysis about this now he's really right-wing generally but he also thinks that bob like is a nazi and wants to kill obama and stuff (laughs) i got blood in my eye got blood in my ear it's a pruder's film i seen night before seen it 33 times maybe more <laughs> just imagine Bob just sitting there like queuing up the Zapruder film again like come on I'll, I'll get to the bottom of it this time <laughs> it gets pretty apocalyptic after that oh man the great line I'm a patsy like patsy Klein and in the forthcoming gape cast fucking obviously that's about oswald who was like i'm just a patsy <laughs> jimothy has turned that into a reference to patsy kensit liam gallagher's former girlfriend <laughs> sorry i don't know much about patsy kensit i only know her through oasis law what was she with noel he just said I'm, I'm just a patsy like patsy klein uh, i never shot anyone in front of behind <laughs> I got blood in my eye, I got blood in my ear. Never gonna make it to the new frontier. I think there he's talking about the hopes and dreams of America. Yeah, that's when he says Zapruder's film I seen night before. I seen night before? I don't know. I've seen it 33 times, maybe more. It's vile and deceitful. It's cruel and it's mean. Ugliest thing that you have ever seen. What do you mean when he says it's vile and deceitful? Because this is, in Genius's words, considered to be the most complete footage of the assassination, giving a clear view. The Zapruder film is a key part of the JFK conspiracy case because it was kept from public viewing for so many years, and so people were like, what does it show that isn't there? There's various conspiracies, like there's a good little Errol Morris short film on YouTube called The Umbrella Man about some guy with an umbrella who's in there, probably a young Mike Gates or something. As I stood upon the grassy knoll It was high time that POTUS paid for toll From three bullets made of solid milk I killed a man And I feel no guilt one of the vampires or one of Stormzy's friends from Argentina. That's Stormzy, the Gapes family butler, obviously. Oh, Vienna. It was there I learned to waltz to proper music. The only Stormzy was our family butler. We called him that because he had been a stormtrooper. Dear Stormzy, taught me about the evils of communism. But I carry his lessons with me to this day. But <laughs> the boys from Brazil. But like Bob's like, they killed him once and they killed him twice. Killed him like a human sacrifice. The day that they killed him, someone said to me, son, the age of the Antichrist has only begun. And maybe Bob's talking there about all the like, pain and suffering that happened in the world after that. And I definitely think that that's possibly why he released it during a pandemic. <laughs> because it's got that sort of apocalyptic part. Air Force One coming in through the gate. Johnson sworn in at 2.38. 
I think Bob's suspicious of Johnson. <laughs> Let me know when you decide to throw him a towel. It is what it is. And it's murder most foul. Now, it is what it is, is one of the, I think. There's not even an annotation for it on Genius, but for me, this is a key line. Because, do you know what Jimmy Hoffa is told in The Irishman? When... It is what it is. The mob want to kill him. Exactly, yeah, yeah. It is what it is. Now... I believe that may be too much of a coincidence. I don't think Bob would use... I think Bob would watch The Irishman. Yeah, it's a recent like, film as well. Yeah. Martin Scorsese made two films in 2019. One of them was The Irishman, and the other was a documentary <laughs> about Bob Dylan. I think there's a high likelihood that if there are directors currently working whose films Bob Dylan still watches, Martin Scorsese is probably one of them. I say a documentary, it was like, an awesome work of real politics style fake news so much of it was just bollocks but in a good way i don't think that bob would use a phrase like it is what it is you know even if bob hasn't seen like all the more recent gangster films and stuff there's probably one film from like 1939 he's seen where jimmy cagney is like it is what it is you know <laughs> listen frank things have gotten out of hand with our friend again and some people having serious problems with him. And uh, it's at a point where you're going to have to talk to him and tell him it's what it is. What it is? Yes, it's what they want. It's where it's got. Well, he's a higher up, too. I mean, no one. Not like this. You know that. Oh, come on, Frank. If they can whack a president, they can whack a president of a union. I think that's a gangster thing to say. It is what it is. And it's just a big coincidence that this film, The Irishman, that is swimming around in JFK conspiracy theories and this song by Bob Dylan, that there's no kind of crossover there. I think that maybe Bob is saying that the mob were to some extent involved in it. And I, again, reiterate that the mob thing does not preclude the right-wing conspiracy theory because as we know with stuff like the bay of pigs the mob were involved in anti-communist activity anyway bob says that the soul of a nation has been torn away and it's beginning to go into a slow decay and it's 36 hours past judgment day that's when it gets into the stretch of the song that involves a massive amount of pop culture references don't worry mr president helps on the way your brothers are coming. There'll be hell to pay. Well, of course, Bobby Kennedy was politically neutralised and then shot. There wasn't really much hell to pay from the Kennedys. In fact, like all of them have been successively no. killed. It's like a rite of passage <laughs> right. in the Kennedy One family. One of them died in the airplane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's like you find out what happened to John and then you mysteriously die. You, you, that, that, that's, like coming of, that's the Kennedy coming of age. Yeah. <laughs> they let you know just before it's your turn to be killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah like I say, just great performance by Bob in this as a real sensuality to the way he's like plays Stella by Starlight for Lady Macbeth. One of my favourite lines is it's almost like it comes after a slightly hackneyed bit of rhyming in this whole massive span of 20th century popular culture bit. He's like play Art Pepper, Thelonious Monk 
Charlie Parker and all that junk. To be fair, I don't think he's saying Charlie Parker's shit. I think he's saying Charlie Parker was on heroin. All that <laughs> junk and all that jazz. It's kind of clever, but kind of corny. Then there's this little lull in the music. Because it's a kind of arrhythmic song. The band are just kind of very subtly playing around Bob, who's on piano. And then he just hits the piano chord after this little lull and then goes... Played for the Birdman of Alcatraz. It's just like the sickest bit. I was listening to that earlier and I literally almost cried when he did that. I was like, this is fucking glorious. Play out Pepper, Thelonious Monk, Charlie Parker, and all of that junk. All that junk and all of that jazz. Play something for the Birdman of Alcatraz. Because by that point in the song, you're so swept up that six or so lines later when he references Stevie Nicks, you're not even like, oh, this is kind of corny. You're like, ah, Stevie Nicks, it rhymes with six. (laughs) It's an incredibly captivating song. It's kind of amazing. Very quickly, Dylan nerd stuff. I can't hear any guitars on it, but it could well be recorded with Bob Dylan's current guitarist, Charlie Sexton because Charlie, despite being a fucking bitch in kick-ass guitar player, is very, very good at just blending in with the music around him. So there's every chance that he's just doing some kind of barely discernible, but I'm sure beautiful if you were to isolate the track sort of guitar on it. It doesn't sound to me like it was recorded for Bob's 2012 album, Tempest. It's just got a whole different instrumental tone to it. So I think Bob has probably recorded original material in the last eight years, which is good to know. Uh, (laughs) Weirdly, it reminds me of Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds' last album, Ghostine, with that spectral, again, arrhythmic feel. There's barely any drums on Ghostine, and it's based mostly around Cave playing piano, uh, as well as Warren Warren Ellis, sorry, great musician, sorry for blanking on his name, on synth. Like, Bob's not going to use synth, it's not the 80s. I'm not saying other artists shouldn't use synth, I'm saying Bob Dylan should, by no accounts, use synth. But yeah, it's just it's just, it's such a great track, man. And I've had this thing, like, maybe the absence of Bob Dylan new original music in the last few years is because when you're Bob Dylan, when you've written, fuck how many, you know, like probably at least like a hundred of the greatest songs of all time or something. I don't know. Bear in mind, cumulatively, there'll be a lot of great songs of all time so it is possible for this one basically superhuman man to have written about a hundred of them (laughs) but yeah when you've written like fucking just classic upon classic like tangled up in blue desolation row and visions of joanna like a rolling stone like how can you beat that it probably when you're 78 the ideas aren't necessarily like flowing as fast as they used to you might get a bit daunting trying to come up with new stuff so i thought maybe yeah, Bob's just been kind of like struggling with being Bob Dylan in terms of coming up with new quote-unquote Bob Dylan songs and being such a Goliathan figure in the culture. Right, but no, yeah. clearly he's just been busy like cracking the secrets of the JFK assassination all this time. He's just been, every night, when because obviously he's always on tour, he gets to his hotel and he just cracks out that book again. He cracks out the book of Oliver Stone's untold history of the United States. He's like, right. <laughs> or he cracks out that dossier of declassified J. Edgar Hoover documents concerning George H.W. Bush being a spy that we were talking about in the New York Times bit. What I actually thought was, if he can write 
something like this, which is in no means just like Desolation Row Part 2, like another very long, sprawling song. Like, why the fuck would you need to, like, try and recapture your, like, 1960s glories? I know that he felt like in the 80s, like, he was struggling with being Bob Dylan and having to write Bob Dylan songs. But if he can write this shit, this shit where he's just, like, blowing this whole thing wide open. But seriously, I like, actually, like, a great and just totally unique piece of writing and piece of music i don't think he's got to worry really because <laughs> he, totally. he doesn't ha he doesn't have to write like a rolling stone part two he can just write whatever the fuck he wants man and i'm sure it will be just madly captivating i mean i think it did capture a lot of the feel of old bob dylan as well song. yeah that like, kind yeah. of kaleidoscopic feel like but he's this like kind of picaresque narrator guiding you through this strange drifting world quite yeah yeah what do you think of the track guy if you I, I loved it, it once i think I, I will admit i definitely thought as well as of bob's old songs i did think of american pie like you mentioned didn't think of yeah. the billy joel song at all yeah. of course because it's i don't not getting that vibe at all from it, but yeah, yeah, just a slow sort of ballad with a guitar. It feels kind of old-fashioned, but not in a bad mm. way. Yeah, you Bob's know? music, the last decade or so maybe, has been like pre-rock. He's just kind of like, <laughs> he's much. brought shit. He, he's like, right, what if we bring music back to before I changed it? It's kind <laughs> of, it's a fascinating thing. But this song shows like, I mean, this is an amazing example of like a musician as a music fan. The sheer amount of songs he lists. I think someone added them up and it's like a hundred songs or something. <laughs> I believe I don't know. it, yeah. <laughs> it's an absurd amount. And there's things that you don't even clock that are references to songs. Where he's like... I was just like, whoa! He's got a reference in there to Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> yeah, I got that Living one. in a nightmare on Elm Street. And then I was so like, shit, he just like referenced fucking Nightmare on Elm Street. What the fuck? Um, but I didn't even notice that the next line, he referenced Deep Ellum Blues, the so a song which is like, you know, a American trad classic that was covered many times by... Dylan's friends, collaborators, and mutual influences, the Grateful Dead. So, right. like, th this shit runs so deep. It's not, maybe not quite as deep as the, like, Carl Wilson singing back vocals on the final track of a Warren Zevon <coughs> album from 1976 bit, or the stuff where he reveals the truth about the JFK assassination, but it's still pretty deep. I'd have to say that my single favourite line in the song is so i might as well do it as the couplet but it's the specifics the second line of this couplet that i really <laughs> love because he's got one of his song references in there head out the window let the good times roll there's a party going on behind the grassy knoll <laughs> <laughs> i was like yes he's fucking got the grassy knoll in there stack up the brick let wait has he got a reference to a book depository anywhere let me see <laughs> the book depository i don't know isn't that like all that's mainly like part of the, the lies isn't it the lies and shit is that isn't the book depository where oswald was arrested yeah well it's where well, it's he shot where he... the president from <laughs> the building he was in at the time it's where 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 who shot the president from well oswald is allegedly 
Uh, yeah, well, okay, okay, yeah, pull the other one. I mean, come on. It's where John Rental and his vampire pals, like, magic John F. Kennedy's head open. <laughs> he was attacked by an invisible vampire, just bit him in the neck. <laughs> yeah, um, no one ever suspects John Rental. No one ever suspects John Rental. Although Luke Akehurst did joke once about being responsible for the Kennedy assassination. Yeah, um, we can't rule it out, can we? I mean, he's definitely the sort of person who'd think that JFK was just far too much of a dove. Can't be having that. Well, I refer you to the Luke Akehurst ideological correctness test. In Famously which... a big fan of LBJ. Yeah, he, po- <laughs> he poses the question, who would you support in Vietnam, communist dictator Ho Chi Minh, or left-wing Democrats, LBJ and JFK? Well, we already know, A, he's using left-wing here to trick you, to say America, (laughs) though obviously it's not a left-wing position to fucking support America in the Vietnam. What the fuck? Of course it's not! What? But anyway, he's saying that left-wing Democrats, obviously for that reason, it's it's his sneaky, Akehurst ways, but I think he's also saying it as kind of a diss against Kennedy, because we already know that he likes LBJ, that's without doubt, mm-hmm. but I think he's saying, oh, that fucking woolly lefty fucking Kennedy. I know <laughs> Akehurst's got more than his fair share of nicknames already, but has anyone ever coined calling him Agent Orange? Because I think that fits quite well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> I... Just wanted to say, like, favourite works of pop culture about the JFK assassination that we haven't touched on so far. Ooh, I don't know, it's one of those things that every fucking series has done a take on or something, isn't it? At some Who point. shot Mr. Burns? No, but that's yeah. obviously the take off of Dallas, isn't it? Who shot JR? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, you're right, though. I mean, there's a few specific films. I would recommend Executive Action from 1973, which focuses much more on the conspiracy side it shows like these right-wing cunts these like businessmen and spooks and stuff all getting together and being like this can't stand he wants to fucking pull out of vietnam he wants to tone down the cold mm-hmm. war he didn't do a preemptive strike after the cuban missile crisis blah, blah 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 and then after that they train up a guy and then they find a patsy and etc etc and you can uh, kind of it's a very keir starmer forensic <laughs> we're gonna find out how friend i'm sure well hopefully rlb rooting for you but we may find out how forensic keir truly is within days but anyway it's a proper like yeah it's a forensic <coughs> film it's very kind of like procedural it's just like here is how it went down i think i was recommend well i not a personal recommendation but i got it off the all units podcast for sure mm-hmm. aka oh. is it no chorus yeah no chorus yeah, yeah sorry yeah, yeah. it's just but um yeah, but, but, yeah either, sean yeah. has recommended some very good films on this podcast and there's another one which in fact i know sean's also a fan of but this film is called winter kills and i talked about this with yair it's a film that yeah. had like a nightmare production it was like produced by a couple of marijuana dealers who'd been producing pornos <laughs> and they wanted to like go legit by producing a proper non-pornographic film so they got like a really great cast uh, led by jeff bridges but with like all these kind of older actors like john houston and i think lauren bacall is in it and so anyway i don't want to just reel off all the cast that's for me and yaya's next movie episode when we will just reel off the cast off wikipedia of loads of films but uh <laughs> yeah it, 
it had a very troubled production. Like the marijuana dealers funded it, and then one of them got killed because he didn't pay his debts to the mob. And um, yeah, it had a really <laughs> troubled a tough break. Yeah, it had a really troubled production. There's a short film documentary on YouTube about it called Who Killed Winter Kills. But yeah, sick film, and that posits that it was an interdynastical murder that the wealthy Kennedy family killed their own presidential son so yeah i don't know how well that fits into the jfk stuff because it's not explicitly about him obviously the kind of ur jfk text film wise is jfk of course (laughs) which is awesome 100 percent accurate and true and (laughs) we'll tell you loads of stuff that you always wanted to know about like the homosexual underworld and <laughs> yeah no it's a really William great... Friedkin <laughs> <laughs> yeah no if, I don't think I, I I think actually did some people call homophobic let me see. no matches for homophobic on its Wikipedia page so I'm gonna say unproblematic fave here but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just bullshit you know everybody likes to make themselves out to be something more than they are especially in the homosexual underworld you realize the things you're saying Willie are gonna be attacked by a lot of different people oh bring all those motherfuckers on man bring their college degree in here. I got nothing to hide. You can't buy me. They can't buy me. I don't even need Nobody this w- damn parole. See, this is about the truth about coming parole. out. You a goddamn liberal, Mr. Garrison. You don't know shit because you never been fucked in the ass. This ain't about justice. You think this is about justice? No, this is about order. Who rules? Because, see, fascism is uh, coming nobody back. Wants to fascism buy, nobody is- wants to buy you. Why are you telling us this? Because that motherfucker, Kennedy, stole that motherfucking election. That's why. Nixon was going to be one of the great presidents till Kennedy wrecked this country. Why do you think we got all this crime now? He promised those motherfuckers too goddamn much, you ask me. Revolution's coming. Bullshit, man. Fascism is coming back. I'm going to tell you this. The day that communist son of a bitch died was a great day, a great day for this country. Yeah, this film was good. For some reason, Mel Gibson didn't want to act in it. I have no idea why Reaction reacted. Mel Gibson wasn't interested in this radical <laughs> film. Uh, but Kevin Costner... In fact, no, Kevin Costner, who plays Jim Garrison, is pretty right-wing. But he's a libertarian. So he thinks that the state is up to no good. And it's totally yeah. the kind of guy who would be in the tank for JFK conspiracy theories. There is actually one more film I wanted to shout out that actually came out the year after... Kennedy was killed. So this came out in 1964 and it's directed by the great John Frankenheimer part of his Paranoia trilogy which also contains the Manchurian Candidate and a great movie that's a little bit less well known called Seconds from 1966 which is also a conspiracy theory. And there's also a Paranoia trilogy by Alan J. Pakula which is from the 70s that contains the Parallax View, All the President's Men and Clute. But Seven Days in May by John Frankenheimer is a really fucking cool film. Yeah, it's just some coo shit, you know? (laughs) It's a film that basically, as it described in the Wikipedia page, a military political cabal's planned takeover of the United States. Look, it's a vast (laughs) right-wing conspiracy. This is my favourite term for what happened, and I think what was true. The book was written in... 
61-62, reflecting some of the events of the Kennedy era. President John F. Kennedy accepted the resignation in November 61 of the vociferously anti-communist general Edwin Walker, who was indoctrinating the troops under his command with personal political opinions and had described yep. Harry S. Truman, former United States Secretary of State Dean Asherson, and Eleanor Roosevelt and other still active public figures as communist sympathizers. <laughs> Harry fucking Truman, communist sympathizer. Although no longer in uniform, Walker continued to be in the news as he ran for the government of Texas and made speeches promoting strongly right-wing views. In the film version of Seven Days in May, Frederick March, portraying the narrative's fictional president, Jordan Lyman, mentioned General Walker as one of the false prophets who are offering themselves to the public as leaders. Lee Harvey Oswald, not a fan of General Walker, apparently fired shots into his home. Um, (laughs) But did he do that to discredit the anti-Walker movement is the question. Anyway, as they collaborated on the novel, the authors Fletcher Knebel, Knebel, there's a K before Nebel, and Charles W. Bailey II, who were primarily political journalists and columnists, ah, I'm not interested then, must be cunts, conducted interviews (laughs) with another controversial military commander, the newly appointed Air Force Chief of Staff, Curtis LeMay, who was angry with Kennedy for refusing to provide air support for the Cuban rebels in the Bay of Pigs invasion. See? So basically this film came out in 1964, but basically what happens in it is kind of what i think happens again i'm kind of blanking on some of the specifics of the conspiracy in seven days in may but the military and the political right you know in association with various capitalists oh and yeah like i say executive action is extremely explicit about showing kind of capital and politics and intelligence all hand in hand with one another that may even have mob elements but i'm not entirely sure and they basically do the JFK assassination, <laughs> long story short. Uh, no, they try and they fail because Kirk Douglas stops them. <laughs> but, uh, so it's got, yeah, so it's not just like, they don't, I don't think they succeed necessarily. There's one more coup related film I can, well, there's various coup related films about the world that I can think of. But there's this film that's eerily prescient, which came out in 1954 which is a film called Suddenly, which is directed by Lewis Allen and written by Richard Sale. So just just the names out there, if either of them are still alive, I doubt it because it's 1954. Unlikely, but yeah. Yeah, but go, go and harass their families to see if they know any information <laughs> about the assassination of JFK because apparently 1954, they were um, pretty pretty plugged in about some events that would transpire almost a decade later yeah basically this film suddenly it's about a town called suddenly but you think president shouldn't go there not to suddenly (laughs) you know we want to want to plan for eventualities but basically like frank sinatra plays this ruthless assassin who like they kidnap this family because they're using their house as like a sniper spot because the president's motorcade is going to drive by and they're going to kill him and that's it basically like they just kill they kill the president when his motorcade is well they try and kill the president when his motorcade's going through town Mm -hmm. i think that's a super good it's 1954 that film and Sinatra is really fucking good in that and Sterling Hayden 
actually no sterling hayden plays a sheriff i can't remember if he's good or not in it but yeah sinatra fucking is really cool in that it's how i imagine he was when he was on the verge of calling the mob to tell them to kill woody allen <laughs> in real life that is that's not a film yeah. or anything i'm just gonna very briefly search to see if there's any jfk conspiracy films that i've forgotten <laughs> they killed him once and they killed him twice killed him like some human sacrifice not seen Flashpoint. Like I say, Executive Action is a great film. Oh, fuck! Oh, sorry. And Dalton Trumbo wrote Executive Action, by the way. Like a man with serious yes. leftist credentials who was blacklisted and later played by Brian Cranston in a very mediocre film that Louis C.K. <laughs> co-stars in. But yeah, no. Trumbo was the guy who snuck communism into Spartacus when Kubrick, himself not a fan of leftist politics kubrick basically broke the blacklist by demanding trumbo write the script mm. to his biblical blockbuster spartacus that was the point when kubrick still did like commercial films so that was a really big deal for yeah. basically getting people who were left-wing or had been left-wing in the 1950s working again i have not seen oswald's ghost but it's by a guy who's called Robert Stone. Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> the Parallax View. Is the Parallax View necessarily? Ah, right, this article in IndieWire actually concedes. And while its relationship to the Kennedy assassination is tacit, yeah, I mean, I think that's, <laughs> that's about right. But that's one of the Alan J. Pecula films uh, from the 70s, which just captures that Watergate-era feel of nothing is as it seems. The Parallax Corporation are... Oh, it's never explained. Oh, yeah. They're just basically doing some sketchy shit, and, yeah, they're killing people and going after Warren Beatty, and... You don't need to understand a conspiracy thriller. It's probably better if you don't understand because it's more thrilling because you're like, it's all too much. It's just like the JFK assassination. Uh, although, obviously, we do know the answer to the JFK assassination. Uh, no, sorry. It, it's actually Three Days of a Condor starring Robert Redford, which is directed by Sidney Pollock, where there's a CIA within the CIA. <laughs> CIception? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah, just speaking of 70s conspiracy thrillers, The Boys from Brazil. Uh, I mean, yeah. Maybe another peculiar film. Yeah, obviously about Nazis. Oh, another good Nazi conspiracy thriller film, The Odessa File. John Voight, who himself is politics, basically a Nazi. Eddie Marson, <laughs> Eddie Marson says he gets on great with him on Ray Donovan. But, like, no, to, to be fair, John Voight is just a Republican. But I'm sure, well, if you're a Republican, come on, they're a white supremacist party. Supremacist party. <laughs> Only good Republicans, Clint Eastwood. What was I saying? I went off on a big tangent there. Uh, Republicans, John Voight. John... The Odessa File. Yes, the Odessa File is like Nazis are back in Germany. The Boys from Brazil is like Nazis are back in Brazil. <laughs> Pretty sick. Good fucking movies, man. I love conspiracy thrillers. I hope that they come back now that we're wondering who obviously gave us all coronavirus. <laughs> Russia. Have, it, don't be. you think? Don't you think it's weird that literally nobody in Russia has got coronavirus? Literally, All, literally nobody. On the day that the coronavirus epidemic started in China, everyone in Russia had the day off. <laughs> Especially, it was stated by law, mm -hmm. don't go to China on that day. They had the day off from going to China. 
on that specific date. And is it just a coincidence that both Prince Charles and Boris Johnson have got it? Yeah, I think... I th- Russia. Mm, Russia. No, I think that's, like, as a result of some elite, eyes wide shut Epstein ritual thing, personally. But, I'm sure, I mean, I'm you, sure there's Prin- got to be Russian sure Prince and- there. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, oh, yeah, I guess it's Ru- Russia, patient zero, yeah. I'm sure Prince Andrew's got, like, super coronavirus. No, <laughs> sorry, that's... It's, it's basically sounds like I'm saying, but... I, I mean, get, Prim- get corona from being paedophiles, which is Prince not Andrew true. is... <laughs> not true. Prince Andrew has famously claimed not to be able to sweat, so we should tell pretty quickly <laughs> no, whether no that's true or not. If you've got you... a temperature, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Right. How long have we been recording for? Like Nearly two, two hours. hours. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. Okay, we're Come all on, on the same subject. Okay, yeah. I think we should call it a day then. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be one for the real heads, I think. <laughs> one, yeah, seriously. Maybe we'll finally cross over to the American audience with this one. Deep cuts. Deep cuts for the Yanks. Fuck you guys. Don't listen to our show. You're not allowed. I look down on your people. No, I don't. I don't look down on your people. I just think that your country is a great force for evil in the world. But if you elected Bernie Sanders, you might be like a bit less evil. I don't like just an idea. Come on. It's a start, anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Look, America will still be America. It won't stop being American imperialism, but, like, it could be, like, a a more humane imperialism. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's at least nice to his own people. Essentially. it, It wouldn't be his fault that you can't just turn America into not empire in a heartbeat. But anyway. Uh... Right, yeah, JFK. Who killed him? Conclusion. The vast conspiracy of the right. A vast right-wing conspiracy. Right you are. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it was Agent Orange himself. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, should we find... Hang on, Luke Akehurst, JFK. If we coin that name for Luke Akehurst, it stops people trying to coin it for Trump as well, which is <laughs> good. Fucking hell, man. I just found... Luke has been the director of We Believe in Israel since 2011. <laughs> so I just Luke Akehurst, JFK. I also oh, well, believe I... that... Israel exists, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, 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 I think you've just broken the IHRA definition. Cut. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get my Jew card. Where is it? Hang on. <laughs> oh god, they're not making people carry them around, are they? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Things are worse than I thought, man. Yeah. No, I historically, thought... doesn't tend to work out well. Yeah. Why the fuck yeah. is, is, does this article come up in, with, like, Luke Akehurst, JFK on Wikipedia? <laughs> one of one. <laughs> oh, no, oh. it's just that... It's just I mean, if you search that... for Luke Akehurst, JFK, you can't really expect it to come up with, like, normal <laughs> yeah. search results, really. <laughs> it's it's kind literally of... just the Bob Dylan songs on the male sidebar of shame. <laughs> it's just like, naked 15-year-olds, Bob Dylan's got a new song. <laughs> Look at the size of this teenage celebrity's tits, Bob Dylan. Yeah, fuck the Daily Mail. Alex Nunn's OR Books. Oh, no, it's just the candidate references cite both John F. Kennedy and Luke Akehurst. <laughs> Uh, but other than that, all I can find is his thing about left-wing Democrats, JFK and LBJ, in, in, in his ideological correctness test. <laughs> Section 2 of that is so boring. 
only section one is good. Section two is just like, have you been on my hashtag Labour doorstep? Section one is like, did you support the Iraq war? 500 <laughs> points if you wanted George Bush to drink the blood of every Iraq woman and child. Uh, great stuff, Luke. Yeah, okay. So yeah, JFK killed by a vast right-wing conspiracy. Bob Dylan's cracked it, and I'm sure more information will be forthcoming in the coming days. Yep. Right. Thank you, QAnon, and everyone else who has stood by us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. I'm gonna ring off. See you guys later. Is that a wrap? Alright. Yeah, right. I think that's See a wrap. Motherfucking wrap. Cool. Bye -bye. Bye. Peace. Right, right. Now, who could have best done this? Black Ops, Mr. Garrison. People in my business, people like my superior officer, could have called Colonel Reich and said, Look, we have another unit coming from so-and-so providing security. You'll stand down. I mean, that day, in fact, there were some individual Army intelligence people in Dallas. I'm still trying to figure out who and why. But they weren't protecting client. And, of course, Oswald. Army intel had a Harvey Lee Oswald on file. But all those files have been destroyed. Many strange things were happening, and your Lee Harvey Oswald had nothing to do with them. We had the entire cabinet on a trip to the Far East. We had one-third of a combat division returning from Germany in the air above the United States at the time of the shooting. At 12.34 p.m., the entire telephone system went out in Washington for a solid hour. And on the plane back to Washington, word was radioed from the White House Situations Room to Lyndon Johnson that one individual performed the assassination. Does that sound like a bunch of coincidences to you, Mr. Garrison? No. Not for one moment. The cabinet was out of the country to get their perceptions out of the way. Troops were in the air for possible riot control. The telephones didn't work to get the wrong stories from spreading if anything went wrong with the plan. Nothing was left to chance. He could not be allowed to escape alive. Well, I never thought things were the same after that. Vietnam started for real. There was an air of, I don't know, make-believe in the Pentagon and CIA. Those of us who'd been in secret ops since the beginning knew the Warren Commission was fiction. But there was something, something deeper, uglier. I know Alan Dulles very well. I briefed him many a time in his house. But for the life of me, I still can't figure out why he was appointed to investigate Kennedy's death, the man who had fired him. Dulles, by the way, was General Wyeth's benefactor. I got out in 64, resigned my commission. I never realized Kennedy was so dangerous to the establishment. Is that why? Well, that's a real question, isn't it? Why? I dreamed I was the president of these United States. I dreamed I replaced ignorance, stupidity. I dreamed the perfect union and a perfect law undenied. Most of all, I dreamed I forgot the day John Kennedy died. I dreamed that I could do the job that others hadn't done. I was uncorrupt and fair to everyone 
I dreamed I was in gross or base A criminal on the take And most of all I dreamed I forgot The day John Kennedy died said on TV and then a guy in a Porsche with his radio hit his horn and told us the news he says the president's dead he was shot twice in the head in Dallas and they don't know by whom I dreamed I was the president of these United States somehow comprehend that someone shot him in the face It's exciting, it's young people, it's crowdsourcing. 